we just are so glad to be here together and celebrate God's faithfulness and his power. And uh, there's this verse in John, it's John 10, 10, and it says, the thief comes to steal and destroy, but Jesus, Jesus has come to give us life. And uh, we believe that, that God has come to bring us life. He's come to rescue us from, from death. And uh, we're going to sing about that, how God is turning our graves into gardens, how he's turning our, our despair into hope, how he's turning our fear into joy. And so join with us. Let's sing this out together, knowing and trusting that God is working for the good of, of himself.
Good morning, McDowell. My name is Ryan, and I am so excited to be with you this morning as we turn our hearts and our minds towards God. Uh, we are continuing on in our summer series, Life as Liturgy, as we are uh, exploring what it looks like to create new rhythms and new habits in our lives that are helping us to be more like Jesus. If you don't have a journal yet, we really encourage you to come by District Coffee and pick one up, grab one there. But if paper's not your thing, you can always download one at mcdowell.church journal. Um, on the right side of your screen, you're going to see a chat bar. Let us know where you're watching from, with what's going on in your life. We have loved engaging and interacting with you on that platform over the last several weeks. Next week, we will be back in this place for real life in-person services, and we are so excited for the celebration that that's going to be. But if you can't make it, that's all right. You're still a part of our family. Our live streaming is still going to continue to go on for the foreseeable future. Um, it has been such an incredible resource for us as a church, and we are going to keep moving forward with that. So if you can't be here, be there, because you are still a part of McDowell and who we are. So now, as we turn our hearts and our minds towards Jesus, who is madly in love with you, let's sing these praises out to him. Good morning, McDowell. Are you guys glad to be here today? Hey, for those of you watching online, we are so glad that you have tuned in with us too. Will you stand with us and let's sing together? Come on. Great. 
morning, good morning, good morning. So good to see you in the room. We have some people in the room today, which is so much fun, and it's good to be gathered in a community, but it's also so good to be gathered with you, those who are streaming, wherever you're streaming from. Some of you are in your bathroom right now. Some of you are in the kitchen. Some of you are on your back patio. Some of you are driving. Be very careful where you are when you're streaming, but no matter where you are, it's so good to have you here with us. My name's Matt, I'm one of the pastors, and uh, like I said, and like John said, there's some people in the room today. Uh, this week, we're, we're gearing up to, to gather for next week as a community, and so we're walking through some of our procedures and just making sure we've got everything in place so that this place can be as safe as possible for a larger crowd to gather. Now, we are a community, we are following Jesus, and we're learning to love. It's who we are. And as a community, we like to get to know each other. We want to be careful how we do this in these days. And so I'm, as I give you a question, I'm going to give you numbers, one, two, three, four, five, so you can just hold up the numbers to those who are around you. A little bit different way to do it. But for those of you who are on, online streaming, there's a chat box to your right. And on that chat box, we would love to, to know who you are, where you're streaming from, connect with us there. I want to say hello to my friends in Michigan. I know there's a number of you that, that have headed back. Good to see you from Michigan. My Colorado friends, my Minnesota friends. I've got some Minnesota friends and uh, even some in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. It's good to have my Wisconsin friends with us. So here's the question of the day. If you had one day to spend all alone, so all by yourself, nobody's with you, you're just all alone, where would you, where would you choose to spend that day? And we have some choices for you. You can make up your own if you'd like. But the Rocky Mountains, a Hawaiian beach, the Lake of the Ozarks, if you don't know, just skip it, and a river in Montana, or none of the above, fill in the blank. So which one? What do you think? Go ahead and hold up some numbers online. What do you think? I'm seeing some twos, a number of twos in the room. Uh, up here, we got some fours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's... It's a scattered of some ones, threes. Okay, so for me, um, and, and uh, I would choose all of these at one point or another, but today, I would choose a river in Montana. I think it would be so good to be next to just a flowing, quiet river in Montana with uh, like the peace. I, I know it's beautiful up there today, I think. There's the sun shining maybe 60 to 70 degrees. Anyone? Can I get an amen? Those who are watching. I've even got some friends in Montana. Uh, we might be coming to visit soon. Uh, but it's so good to have you. Go ahead and grab a seat in the room. And a uh, number of things going on. Uh, like I said, next week we're working towards gathering together, and we're excited about that. Have I told you how much I miss you and how much I love you, and I can't wait to see you face-to-face, -face. can't wait till we're back together in a, in a safe way with some physical distancing, but I just can't wait uh, to see you again. We're doing all that we can to prepare for that, and some, some things will look a little bit differently when you walk in next Sunday. Uh, we're asking you to be careful and to, to respect those around you. Uh, we're, we're putting some stickers on the ground for the coffee shop so we have appropriate distancing when we walk in. We are going to prop doors open from the outside into our sanctuary, and we will leave those open during the day so that you can, uh, in essence, come into the room, uh, have a seat, uh, be a part of the service, and leave and not touch anything. It can be a completely touchless experience. We're going to encourage you not to shake hands or give hugs, but I've been doing this a lot today. 
This is like my air hug, just saying hi to everybody. Uh, so we're going to ask you to do that. We are not requiring masks, but many people will be wearing masks. There are some masks today. Um, and so we want to we encourage you to do what, what is the best choice for you and for those around you. And uh, we, want, we want you to know that if, if you're at high risk, if you've been sick, if you've been around anyone who's sick, we just encourage you to continue to stream with us. That's just a great option. And if you're not ra- ready yet to gather in a large group, which I completely understand, uh, that doesn't like set you aside from the McDowell community. You are still a part of McDowell uh, however you choose to gather on Sunday morning. So we want you to make those, those good choices. Now, Camp Create is still going to happen. Our Mountain Kids team has been scrambling to make it work. And we're going to have a morning option and an afternoon option, so it's a little different than it normally is, but we're still going to be able to do that. You can register now for that online. Uh, We also have a middle school camp and a high school camp, uh, which are going to be awesome. The middle schoolers uh, get to go to the Great Wolf Lodge here in town for a couple of nights. It's going to be awesome. And uh, the high schoolers are going to go up north into the mountains. They have a couple of cabins up there. I know the kids are super excited about that. So a number of things that are coming up that you can register for online. Let us know if you want to be a part of one of those things. And then we'll uh, continue to roll out uh, different things as we walk toward the fall. Now, isn't that just like someone from, from Arizona to look past the summer to the fall? As we look into the fall and what's coming up, we're going to continue to add some things. Um, the other thing is I just want to say thank you for the ways that you've continued to engage in this, this time of, of being disconnected. So many of you in the last couple of weeks have stopped into the coffee shop during the week and you've texted us or you've just walked into the offices, which is fine, and you've uh, rattled our doors and it's given us an opportunity just to interact with you. And that's been so good just to see you, to connect with you. I want to thank you for your generosity. So many of you have continued to give in uh, uh, very sacrificial ways and uh, your faithfulness is doing a great work, not just here uh, in, our, in our valley, in Fountain Hills, and, and Scottsdale and Phoenix, but also around the world. We've been able to continue to give to our mission partners. And in some ways, we've given more to help them through these difficult times. And that's because of your generosity. That's what God does as we're faithful in our giving. So thank you for continuing to give. You can give online today, mcdowell.church give. You can mail that check in, drop it off. And uh, when you come in the next few weeks, uh, we'll have black boxes at every exit. So for those of you who want to give as a part of worship, which I know part of that is your, uh, your, your worship to God, you can continue to do that in this place. Um, it's been a challenging week, hasn't it? A lot of tension, seen a lot of pain expressed in many different ways. And um, I, I, I've also seen some very hopeful signs. Have you? So in the tension and in the challenge and in the pain, I've seen some hopeful things and some displays. And here's one of the ways that I've seen that is I've seen conversation. And, you know, God always wants us to enter into conversation because relationship changes everything. Did you know that? Relationship with other people, with different perspectives, it changes us. And I've seen so many people walking into conversations and relationships Um, that maybe we've shied away from in the past, and and I think God is going to do a work in that as we're open to that, as we're humble, as as we pursue humility and compassion in that. Um, I want to, I just, I'm not going to preach yet, um, but there's a couple of passages of Scripture that have 
have just settled into my heart and my soul, and I just want to share those with you today. Is that okay if I do that? And the first one is this. It's found in James, and in James, he spends quite a bit of time as he's writing uh, about the power of the tongue, the power of our words. Did you know that your words are so extremely powerful? And in Scripture, it tells us that our, our words have the power of life and death. In other words, the words that you, you speak out of your mouth either have the power to breathe life and give life and encourage the people around you, or those same words have the power to destroy someone else's life. Your, your, your words have the power to destroy someone else's life. And so James, he says this, be quick to tell other people what you think. Be quick to post your belief and perspective so that all may know. And those who disagree, be quick to let them know that they are wrong. James is so wise when he gives us this. It's, James doesn't say that. Come on, I'm just testing your Bible knowledge and IQ. No, this is what he says. And, and this has been, I, I think, God's conviction for me too. Be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. And be slow to speak. And be slow to the point of anger. Isn't that a good word for us? In the cultural moment, when it seems as though it's so easy to post what we believe or what we see or our perspective. And James says, be very careful because your words carry great power. And so be quick to listen. Now, some of you are going to laugh and roll your eyes at this, this old statement. But there's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. You know, there, there's a reason that I have two ears and I have one mouth. And God wants me to listen more than he wants me to speak. And there is a time to speak up. Don't get me wrong. There's a time to speak up. But James says, just be very careful how you do that because your word, words have the power of life and death. The other passage um, really came out of last week as we began this series, and we were talking about Romans chapter 12 where, where Paul shifts gears and he gets very practical. And do you remember he says, don't just go along with the flow of culture? And, and that's what many of us do is we just go along with the flow of culture. And he says, don't just go along with the flow of culture um, without even thinking about it. But instead, fix your attention on God. And so Romans is just, chapter 12 is so powerful, the entire chapter. But listen to what he does as he continues to give us encouragement and direction. He says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Don't just pretend to love others. It is easy to give lip service to love, isn't it? It's easy to give our lip service. Yeah, I love everybody. Jesus tells me to love my neighbor. I love my neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. It's easy to say that. It's much more diff difficult to really love other people. So don't just pretend to love them. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight. Listen to this. Take delight in honoring one another. Now think about that in the context of our words. Like Paul encourages us to give honor to one another. Take delight in that, not in ripping people down or tearing them down, but take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. 
but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. I don't like that part. I kind of want to cut that one out, um, the be patient in trouble. Nobody wants that. Come on. We can't cut it out. It's not fair to cut it out. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Man, some good stuff here. We should read our Bible. Dust it off every now and then. Open it up. Romans chapter 12, so powerful. Bless those who persecute you. Pray for them. Listen. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That's another good word for us. That even if, if, if we don't understand, even if we don't get it or see it, that we weep with those who weep. We enter into their pain with them. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I'll just, I told you I wasn't going to preach yet. I won't. Never pay back, I'm just going to, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable and do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And then he finishes this section with, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Conquer evil by doing good. Now, just some thoughts. I, I mentioned last week that I, I believe we have to do better as humans with one another. I mean, we're all in this, this human life together. We're sharing a planet. And there's so much division. And there's so many walls. And there's hatred. And there's anger. And there are those who are I know this is crazy to think this, but there are those who are manipulating our emotions to build even more division within our country and in our world. And I think there's some things that we can do better. There's three things that I need to do better at, and I want to invite you into this journey too. I can pray for and I can practice compassion. And listen, I need God to increase the capacity for compassion in my life. I need God to, to open my heart and my soul and my mind much wider than it is right now. And I'm not just saying that and I'm not pointing at you. I, I, God has put this within me that my capacity for compassion needs to be increased. And I wonder what that is for you. What, what needs to increase in your life so that we could walk together? As, as Paul says, in harmony together as humans. The second thing is I can listen and I can learn. And there's so many different ways to do that. One of the best ways is, is conversations with people who have different perspectives, who have different experiences than we do. And I've watched a number of those this week. Some of my favorite pastors uh, have posted some uh, conversations that they've had with, uh, with those in a different community, the black community, and um, those have been so powerful just to listen to conversations, and I'm learning so much. You know, one of the things I learned this week, I'm, let's just be honest, 
So I've heard people for years say, hey, we should all be colorblind. I thought, well, that sounds like a good thing, right? We should all be colorblind. It sounds good, like on first take. But then as you begin to think about it and you begin to open yourself and listen to others and they say, well, when we're colorblind, we, we begin to ignore the beautiful, unique masterpiece that God created us to be. Like we're all God's children, every tribe, every tongue. And when we ignore the beauty of one another, we ignore God's children and the history and the beauty and the uniqueness that we all bring to the table of God. Does that make sense? We can listen, we can learn, we can change as we open ourselves to God's spirit. And then we can follow Jesus' lead, can't we? Jesus always moved toward the marginalized. Jesus' angriest words were toward those who believed that they had it all figured out, which should make us very careful about posting what we've figured out. He always moved towards the marginalized, and we can do that. We can, we can turn our attention and our mind toward the marginalized. Um, my good friend and pastor in D.C., uh, he asked this question all the time, and um, I think it's a great question. What does love compel us to do? What does love compel us to do? Not what does the Bible tell us we need to do, not what should I do. What does love, like true love, what does it compel me to do for those around me? You know, it's an interesting moment in our culture. I think we all get that. It's challenging. There's a lot of tension, but I believe there's a lot of hope. And I want to encourage us as a church. I want to encourage us to open ourselves to God's spirit, wherever he might lead us, to increase our capacity for love and compassion and to be marked by that in all things. So, Father God, in these next few moments, um, we... We want to learn how to lower ourselves and our perspectives and, and lift yours up, to lean into your truth and your goodness. God, we want to open our hearts and our minds to your spirit in a way that we might be changed and made new for the good of your kingdom. So God, sometimes confession is the way that we begin that journey. And so God, we confess as a church, as a people, I confess that there are times that I've held on to my perspective as the perspective. I failed to listen and learn and we as a church have failed to listen and learn we have failed at times to love genuinely. So God, help us to do that as a people, as a community, following Jesus, learning to love.
thankful that whatever season that we walk through in life, God, that you walk with us. And as we walk through these seasons of life, God, we turn our hearts to you and we say, yes, we will. Yes, we will choose to praise you in these times. Yes, we will choose to follow you in these times. God, and we follow your lead as you guide us. In Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. So I wonder if you remember um, road trips. Anybody remember road trips like in the 70s and 80s? Anyone? Some of you remember those? 
So I remember as a kid, road trips in the 70s and the 80s, a number of things about those road trips. I remember sleeping on the floorboard of the car back down where feet normally went. Anybody else ever sleep? I don't think it was safe, but we did it anyway. Uh, I remember even in one of our cars, the back windshield, you know, had like a large area. I remember either me or my brother sleeping up there as well. Don't think it was safe, but we did it anyway. But what I remember most about road trips was boredom. Do you remember sitting in your car and driving for hour upon hour with nothing to do? Do you guys remember boredom? Now, we have some high schoolers and middle schoolers in the room, they don't know what that is. Boredom is uh, something that we experienced when we didn't have awesome devices that could take us anywhere in the world and have any game. Now, as I got a little bit older, in the 80s, with some of the road trips that we took, we had this little green football game. Did anybody remember one of the very first green electronic football games? Some of you are too young for that, and Somewhere maybe on the other end of the spectrum. Some of you remember the little green football game. And it was just dots on a screen and like four buttons to move around. That was it. And it was terrible. But it was awesome for road trips because we were so bored. Do you remember uh, in in the 80s um, standing in line at the grocery store when there were a lot of people in front of you and there weren't any magazines to look at? Do you remember that? Boredom. The only thing you could do was talk to the people around you. My dad was really good at that. It was the most embarrassing thing in the world, but it was boredom. We didn't have anything to do. Now, in today's world, there have been some studies done on, like, uh, electronic devices. Can you guess how many times, on average, we open our phones and look at something every single day? Over 80 times every single day, we... Our, our phone is off or closed or whatever, we actually open it. You guys hear that horn? It's awesome. That's all I'm going to be able to hear now. Anyway, it's actually a perfect example of what I'm about to talk about. So the phones, 80-something times a day. Now, let's think about that on average. Now, I need some math help here. Um, some of you who are, who are math whizzes. If you're, if you're up 24 hours a day, so if you don't sleep, on average, about if you're opening your phone 80-something times, how many times per hour are you actually opening up? More than, more than three. Very good. We've got some math people in the room. Awesome. So more than three times every hour. Now, how many of us stay up 24 hours a day? None of us. So let's just say we're busy 10 hours out of the day, which leaves how many hours left? About 14. You can say 15 if you don't like to sleep. But let's say 15 hours a day, if you're opening it 80-something times, about how many on average per hour are you opening that phone? Over six, right? Over s- I am so thankful for math wizards in our lives, aren't you thankful for them? So over six times every hour, which is how many minutes on average per hour? Every 10 minutes, we're opening our phones to look at something different. Is that crazy when you begin to break it down? Like it's closed, like we're not doing anything, and we reopen it. 
And let's say we spend five minutes on a text or an email, or if you're my wife, maybe 10 to 15 minutes on an email or a text back to someone because she's a nine and she wants to make sure she's not offending you and that she's taking into account everything. And so it's a little bit longer for her to text. And I'm like, just say yes. And she's like, yeah, but I want to explain why I'm saying yes. And I don't want them to feel like anybody with me on that. I'm sorry, babe. Anyway, so, I mean, that is a crazy amount of distraction and noise in our world, like car, car horns going off, like during service. And it's this noise that is so prevalent in our world that is always around us, and it's in our pockets so that we can see it and get to whatever we want to get to right now. There was a day where we didn't have that distraction. And it drove us crazy, didn't it? We were so bored with nothing to do. I remember in, in summer when I was a kid and I was like, Mom, I am so bored. And she was like, I don't care. Get out of the house and don't come home until dinner time. And I just had to figure life out, like for eight hours a day, like just go outside and play in the woods. And we had BB gun wars, which like she wouldn't have approved of, but we did it anyway because we were just kind of discover things. And you're like, who did you have BB gun wars with? Myself. Like, I, nobody. Like, I just made it up, and we just did things because there was no distraction, and now we have so much distraction. We're in the series called Life is Liturgy, and we're talking about the practices that ground us, that root us in Christ. And you know what, what probably the most uh, important practice in rooting us in Christ is. It's that silence and solitude and prayer connection with God. And it's one of the most difficult to get to, if we're honest, isn't it? Silence. oh my gosh, it's so uncomfortable. I can't even do it for two minutes. Like I wanted to do it for two minutes. I can't even do it for two minutes because you're all staring at me and I, online and you're tuning out because you're like, oh, if he's not gonna talk, I don't, I've got things to do and I'm making lunch or whatever it is that I'm doing and all these different things and there's just a challenge to, to quiet ourselves and the world in order to connect with the God of the universe. So Jesus, Jesus um, was baptized. Some of you will remember this story. He's baptized. It's like the inauguration of his, his adult ministry life. He's baptized. And do you remember what happens when he comes up out of the water? Do you remember like the Holy Spirit descends on him, which would have been awesome to be there to see what does that look like? And it's like a dove or what, you know, it's, and then the father says, this is my son in whom I am well-pleased, like it's this affirmation from a father which we all desperately need. And here Jesus is in this moment where like the Holy Spirit comes upon him, whatever that looks like and whatever that like 
was for the people who had surrounded him. And then this voice from nowhere says, this is my son, and I affirm him. Like, it's like the best thing in the world, isn't it? And what does Jesus do? His disciples, they post it on Instagram so that everybody knows, right? They're like, I told you, here it is, Jesus with the Spirit. They're like, selfie, like with him, like behind him, and, and Jesus like kicks off the, the tour, right? He's like, let's start in Jerusalem. There's a lot of people there. Let's go to Jerusalem, and now that I have this moment where I'm filled up and it's time, let's go do the things that need to be done so that I can save the world. That's what you think Jesus should do. That's what I would do. That's maybe what some of you would do. Like, I'm affirmed. Yes. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Wait. What? I have so many questions about this passage of Scripture. Like Jesus, it's, it's like the affirmation that, that, that launches his ministry, the beginning of this ministry, the Spirit has filled him, and, and the, the Spirit leads him into the desert for what purpose? To be tempted by the devil? What? And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and he hasn't even gotten, gotten to the tempted part yet, like 40 days and 40 nights, he's not eaten anything and it says he was hungry? Well, yes, like you didn't need to insert that into the passage, but okay, he was hungry. And then the tempter came to him. Uh, one of my favorite current preachers about this passage, he says, you know, I used to think that it was at Jesus' weakest moment that he was tempted. You know, he had not eaten for 40 days. He was all alone, none of his friends around him, you know. And he said, now I understand that it was in the silence and solitude, the 40 days, that he was empowered by the Spirit to be able to face the temptation. It was actually in his strength because he took the time to be alone. Isn't that interesting, a different perspective? Jesus, at the beginning realizing all that was in front of him, knew that he needed to spend some time alone in order to be filled with what he needed so that he might accomplish what God had given him. Mark, the book of Mark. First chapter is crazy, chaotic. All these things are happening. He's healing people. He's teaching. All these things are happening. And listen to what Mark says. Yet very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to an isolated place to pray. There's people who need to be healed. Like, he needs to teach. This is what he's here for. What did Jesus do? He went off to an isolated place to be alone and pray to the Father. Now, Luke, it's in every gospel. I'm just giving you a heads up. It's in every gospel. The news about Jesus spread all over the place so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed. But Jesus, what's that next word? Jesus, is it up there? But Jesus often withdrew. Jesus often withdrew. Now that word often doesn't mean sometimes or on a one-off chance. It means it was part of his regular practice. He often withdrew to lonely places 
and prayed. Now, some of you are like, well, that's Jesus. You know, Jesus was different. Let me ask you. This is kind of a dangerous question. Whose mission in the world was more important, Jesus's or yours? Like, Jesus's mission was to basically save the world and everyone who would ever live, which is a much more important thing than what I'm doing. Would you agree with that? Yes. And, and what you're doing. And if Jesus needed the power of God to fill him so that he might accomplish his mission, how much more do those of us who are living today need the Spirit of God to fill us so that we might accomplish the mission that God has given us? And by mission that God has given you, I'm I'm not talking about some super spiritual mission that God has given you. I'm talking about the things that he's placed in front of you. Like those that I can see in the room who were called to be mothers and fathers to the children who are next to you. How much, how important is it that you are filled up so that you might raise those children to know and follow God, to encourage them and build them up in what God has given you to, to do in and for them? Silence. Let's talk about silence just for a second. What is silence? Is silence possible? It's difficult. Yeah, so, so difficult. The idea of silence and solitude in our regular practices is about taking a time every day to still the outside noise and the inner noise that's within us. So difficult to do, but so very important. Um, John Mark Comer says it this way. He says, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the very one input we actually need for life. Listen, you need, I need the voice of God in my life. Come on, I hope I don't have to convince you of that. You need the author of this world, your father. You need his voice in your life. And this modern world drowns that voice out. And it's so easy to lose sight of what's important. Um, What's the first thing to go in our life when we get busy? It's the very things that we need the most. It's a grounding time. Listen, we don't talk about this very often, but a quiet time in the morning, a devotional time, that's a weird thing. Like, we don't, I don't know why we don't talk about that more than we talk about it, but a quiet time in the morning is one of the most important things that you and I can do in our life today. It's one of the most spiritual practices we can take on. Listen, the, the bookstores are full of it in different religions and different ways of thinking about what they call mindfulness. This is a quiet time. It's been a part of the Christian tradition from the very beginning. Jesus practiced it, and we need to practice it. Solitude isn't just isolation, but it's being present and open to God. That's what solitude is in the, in the practices. Silence and solitude. Without solitude... It's impossible to have a spiritual life. Well, that's, I wish Henry wouldn't have said that. Without solitude, it's impossible to have a spiritual life. Silence and solitude are like water to our soul in the middle of a summer when the heat is beating us down. Have you ever been on a hike or a walk and you forgot water? And you just, like your mouth was dry, and you barely could talk, 
And sometimes when I go on a run, when it's super hot outside, I get like weird stuff in my mouth. Like it's super dry, but then on my teeth, I've got stuff on my teeth. Anybody? Maybe it's just me. Anyway, and like I crave water. And if you just take a little sip, then you just start gulping it, don't you? Because you just, you're, you just, your body needs water. Silence and solitude, that's, it's like water to the soul. And if we'll begin to just open that conduit just a little bit, we'll find that we, we need to tip up the glass and just start gulping God's presence so that we might be empowered to do the things that are before us each and every day. And again, I'm not talking about the super spiritual. I'm talking about your daily tasks with your children, with your coworkers, with those who work for you, with your neighbors, with your spouse. Like these are the things like the Spirit wants to empower us to do well. So I just made a quick list of what happens when I set my quiet time aside, when I don't do it. And here's, here's some of the things that I find when I don't have a quiet time um, that are prevalent in my life. I feel distant from God. I start asking, where's God? Like, God, are, do you not care about me? Like, why aren't, you, why aren't you answering? Like, when I have that 30 seconds and I just throw up a prayer, like, where are you? I feel distant from myself when I don't have a quiet time. Like, I, I begin to not even notice myself and who I am, especially deep down inside. And part of that's because the anxiety begins to overwhelm me, and I find myself exhausted at the end of every single day, and I think, if I have to get up 10 minutes early to have a quiet time, it, I, just gonna, I don't need that. I'm just going to cut it out. I'm not going to do it. I'm exhausted. And then that's where escapism comes in. Now, all of us are addicted to something. I know we talk about AA and those who are addicted to alcohol, but all of us are addicted to something. And what we often do is when we fail to um, refresh our soul with the presence of God through silence and solitude, we fill our soul with other things. Sometimes that's alcohol, sometimes that's pornography, sometimes that's shopping, sometimes that's exercise, sometimes that's Netflix. Am I getting into anybody's business yet? I mean, we, we, we're addicted to things, and what we like to do is we like to escape because we don't recognize what's going on deep within our soul, and oftentimes that's because we don't spend any time with the God who created our soul. Are you with me? Okay. And then, not that I'm saying this out of my own experience, but then anger bubbles up at like the slightest thing. Like, can you believe that car, five cars in front of me, when the light turned green, they didn't immediately push the gas? Is that unbelievable to you or what? And I'm going to be 10 seconds later than if they would have pushed the gas when the, when, when the light turned green. And I'm not, you know, I'm... I'm spiritual, so I'm not going to roll down my window and yell at them, and I'm not going to give them any sign language things or anything like that, but I'm going to yell in my car because it really matters. I, again, this isn't my experience. Some of you have told me that this happens in your life. <laughs> Anger often bubbles. Have you ever found yourself yelling at someone, and they didn't even hear you, and later you thought to yourself, what was I so mad at? And could it be? We're so disconnected from like real, true life, which is the whole, what the Holy Spirit breathes in us, that we've lost all sense of reality. 
and what's most important. Now, in the seasons when I actually plug in to God through silence and solitude, when I actually have some quiet time and I make it a point to every morning begin with scripture and prayer, this is what I find. I find that God is actually close to me. Like, I begin to know his presence. I begin to find myself thankful throughout the day because I recognize it's actually God who's walking beside me. I begin to know myself better, my inner self. There's this, this peace. I actually can feel like I'm breathing and I have margin in my life. Is anybody with me? Like, do you ever feel this? And, and you, like, you, you, you begin to slow down. You enjoy and you become actually present to the people around you. These last couple weeks, I feel like I've been so busy that I feel like my kids, I've been with them, but I haven't been with them. Have you ever felt like that? And I think some of it is I haven't taken time to be with the one who breathes life into me so that I might share life with those around me. So how do you begin? Some of you are awesome at that, at, at this. You're, you're so much better and further ahead, and you've, been a, you've had a quiet time or a devotional life for so long. It's awesome. But if, if you're someone who's saying, I've never done anything like this, Matt, where would I even begin to do a quiet time? Does I, do I just get up at 5 a.m. or 4.30 a.m. when it's still dark? Is it still dark at 4.30? Maybe 4 in some place. It depends on where you are in the valley. But let's say 4. Does it mean I just get up at 4 and go to a solitary, we're in the desert, so maybe I don't need to go anywhere. That's where Jesus went, so I'm in the desert, so that's taken care of. Like, what do I do? So here's some ideas. Pick a regular time and place, and I would highly encourage you to make that in the morning. I just think it's so important to start your day with the presence of God, opening yourself to his presence to be filled by his spirit. And it might be in a chair in your home where... Uh, kids aren't climbing on you, or your spouse is drinking coffee somewhere else, or what, I mean, wherever it is, it doesn't have to be like a certain, like, it doesn't need to be in your closet, I mean, it, it could be anywhere, it could even be outside, like on a hike, or a jog, like it can be in so many different places, but, but, but pick a regular time and place, and one of the ways that we stay committed to things is we do the same thing, where we repeat in the same place and time so that it becomes familiar to our souls, so then commit to five to 10 minutes. Now, some of you who have been doing this a long time, you're like, lightweight. Five to 10 minutes is a good start to, to slow down and open yourself to God's spirit so that you might be filled with his life. Turn off or airplane mode your, your phone. And if you don't know what that means, like there's actually, you can, you can power off your iPhone. Did you know that? You could power it off. There's no more, like you have to hold two buttons down now because they've changed it to try to trick you out of turning it off. But you can turn off your iPhone or you can airplane mode it so you don't get a, a little alerts. And then still your mind and pray with your breath. Now, some of you are going to be like, what does that mean? Um, when, when we start to slow down, one of the things that, that can be extremely helpful is we can breathe out our prayers to God. The, the thoughts to help still our inner self, we can breathe that out. God, I'm so angry right now. And then when you breathe in, God, bring me some peace. You, you breathe that in. And it's, it's interesting to me that both at the beginning of the Bible and with the disciples, Jesus 
breathed on them. God, at the very beginning, breathed into us, and we had to take a breath to take his spirit in. Does that make sense? And so use, use your breath to pray in and out. And then end with scripture. Um, the verse of the day I've been pushing, uh, I just think it's so good. This week, if, you, if you've been following along with the verse of the day on version, it's like so applicable to our lives, isn't it? Like every single day, it's like, man, I needed that. And God does that. He, he puts those things in front of us, the things that we need, if we'll commit to it. The most important thing in this is to be still. Be still and recognize God in your life. So God, we, um, we realize that this world is crazy and chaotic and it's begging for our attention at every turn, that there are distractions everywhere. But just as Jesus needed to spend time with you, to be filled with, with your presence, how much more do we need that? So I, I pray that you would help us to be still, to commit to a, a quiet, um, solitude practice each and every day so that we might know you and we might know ourselves.
Be still, my soul, be still. Be still, my soul, be still. And wait patiently upon the Lord. Be still, my soul, be still. Wait patiently upon the Be still, my soul, be still. So none of this is about guilt or shame. It's an encouragement for me as much as it is to you. That we would simply set aside a time open the conduit to God's spirit so that we might find life and find it abundantly. So excited to next week finally get back together and uh, to be with you in this place for those who choose to, to gather here. Until then, I pray God's grace and his peace upon you. I pray that you, as you set aside time for silence and solitude, that you come to know that God is good. Amen? Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.